Good morning to all of you listening to Magellan Podcast. Today, our guest will be Jorge Barbeiro, who is Head of Mobility Planning and Management at the Metropolitan Area of Porto. Jorge Barbeiro was born in Porto, where he lives currently. He has a degree in economics and postgraduate studies in public policy and has been working in the public administration for the last 12 years, mainly in the sector of transport regulation. He is currently head of planning and mobility division in Porto Metropolitan Area, which acts as a transport authority in that region. Jorge, welcome. Thank you very much for taking the time to be with us this morning. Thank you very much. And uh, I would like to ask you the first thing. What does it mean to be head of mobility planning and management at the metropolitan area of Porto? Good morning, everybody, and thank you for the invitation. Of course, it's a big pleasure to to be here and to, to discuss these issues that we love so much. And to, to answer your question, well, I think the word that comes to my mind uh, is this challenging. Uh, being the head of mobility in a metropolitan area has a lot of issues, and especially because we are now in the transition uh, scenario. We are a recent authority because we were established by the Portuguese law since 2015. So this is a decentralization from the national government to the to the region of these competencies. So we are having this um, joining the big challenges that we have uh, to establish a new authority and also to manage the mobility, which has a high impact in the life of people in the region. So I'd say we have a lot of challenges. And of course, we passed through a, a pandemic phase where we had to to manage, I would say, day by day, the public transport system. So it has been very challenging, but also very rewarding in the sense that we see the impact of our decisions in the life of people. So a big responsibility also, I would say, that the key words uh, for being the head of mobility in the metropolitan region. Yeah, it is a challenge. I'm sure about it. And it is because transport is so important for the citizens uh, as such. I'm sure you have, of course you do, this a strategy for the mobility sector. What are the goals in that strategy? Well, I'd say that the, the, the main goal is to increase the ridership of passengers. Uh, because if you look at the the model split between the use of private cars and the use of public transport in the region, the scenario is not very, very what we, what we want. So we would like to have this change between the use of private cars into to be more favorable to the public transport. But of course, the tricky part is how we achieve that. So, And that goes uh, into the question that you made, what is the strategy? And if we see what are the, the main barriers for people to change from private cars into public transport, and we have some, we had a, a big inquiry in 2017 in the metropolitan region. We also have it in Porto and in Lisbon. And if you see the key factors for people uh, not using public transport are the, the time they spend on the trip, the comfort, and but mainly the reliability of the system. Uh, 
So these are the key factors that we want to act uh, and to bring public transport more competitive to the use of private cars. We know that it is difficult to beat uh, private cars in, in some of these uh, um, factors. But I would say that we don't even need to be better than the private car. We just need to shorten the gap between these factors in the use of public transport and private car. Because public transport also has some, some big advantages. Uh, for instance, it, it is safer. You can use your time to do other things. It is much cheaper, and it, this is important. So if you can shorten the gap between these, these factors and make the public transport more reliable, a little bit more comfort, and if you, you can trust that the time of the trip will not be much longer, it, it can even be shorter in some situations. So I think these will be key factors to bring more people to use the, the public transport. Let me say that we don't see this as a, a war between people that use private cars and people that use public transport. Uh, this is a, a view that you want to change because the use of a private car, in some situations, it is what you need. So it's, you, you cannot uh, beat that because if you need to use a private car and if you have access to a private car, in some situations, it's the correct solution. But what we want is to change this mentality of people that in some situations, it is better to use public transport. So that's why we, I say that we need to increase the ridership of the public transport, not to force people to give away the use of private cars, but that in the situations where the public transport is a correct solution to bring people to use it, that's our, our strategy. That's very smart, I think, not to, how should I say, not to put guilt feelings in citizens, right? But take them to understand that is better, in a sense, highlighting the, the advantages, let's put it that way, because those um, uh, goals, time, comfort, reliability, it's very much in the interest of uh, the citizens, it's one interest. So this is very interesting. Thank you for that. George, transport is a competence that has been fully transferred from municipalities to the metropolitan area, meaning that transports in the region will now be managed by the metropolitan area of Porto. I'm correct, right? Yes, yes, that's true. That's quite recent, isn't it? Well, yes, since we were established as an authority in the metropolitan region, the, the Portuguese law gives us full competence for intermunicipal bus lines, so lines that connect between more than one municipality. But the municipal lines that run only in one municipality, the, the competence is, is from the municipalities. But what we did, what we were able to, to, to do is to, to allow that municipalities gave the, this competence also to the metropolitan area. And so in this sense, we created one only authority for public transport in the region that has the full picture and has the competence to manage the, the whole system regarding bus lines, not, not the metro or the train, but regarding the bus lines. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a inter-municipality and then the intra-transport management is within the, the, the different members. Is, so I'm correct here. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yes, correct, correct. That's what the, the law establishes, but we were able to make this contract with the municipalities, so the competence is now fully given to the metropolitan area, yes. And the most recent example of what you are doing as transport authority in the region is UNIR, which in Portugal means unite. Tell us, tell the auditors about it. What what led to this development? Well, yes, we are making uh, major changes in the system. Now that we have uh, one only authority and a regional authority, not the what we had in the past, which was the national authority, depending on the national government managing mm-hmm. all the countries. So now we have a more close vision to the region. And what we want is to make unification of the quality of the system. Because what you have, just for you to understand, this, the scenario that we have now is we have 29 different companies operating bus lines in the region yeah. and um, with different uh, dimensions, with different quality, different fare system. And uh, what you want with this now that we have one authority that has the competence to plan and to attribute a new service, what we want is to unite this and, and to make it more homogeneous across the region. That's why this near word, I think it's a, a very good word because it means also to unite this unification, to make it all the same quality. And also it, it gives the sense of to unite and to go. And this is a, a matter of cohesion in region because we have very different quality of service of public transport service nowadays and so we are not giving to the the whole population the same conditions of mobility so now that we are an authority now that we are giving a new service uh, so what we did now is according also to the european regulations we submitted the new service to the competitive tender so instead of the old framework that we had that the the bus lines were awarded directly uh, to the operators with, by an authorization. So now we have a completely new scenario. We we planned a new network. We improved the network uh, a lot. We made it more homogeneous. Instead of having 29 operators, we will have five. But for the passenger, it's like we have only one because these five operators will work according to the same rules, the same conditions, the same quality of service the same fare system. So for the passenger, for the first time in the whole metropolitan area that includes 17 municipalities, we will have the same quality of service instead of having this fragmentation. So this is very important for us. And I think the population will see this result very, very soon. UNIR will enter into force in in the end of this year. And uh, we have a lot of expectation about it. I'm sure it's quite an achievement to um, select five bus companies out of 29. I'm sure it was not easy. Now, Josh, is UNIR, UNIR, part of the climate transition? How does it contribute to sustainable mobility and reducing carbon emissions? Do the citizens, the users, understand that this change is not only for their own interest, I mean, comfort, time, money, 
with losing, but it's a collective program for a collective cause. I mean, how are you doing it? Are you evaluating it in terms of climate transition or in terms of making aware the citizens about this climate transition as well? Well, yes, I think the citizens are much more aware now of this issue, of course, and they fully understand that public transport is a means to achieve better results to get this planet more sustainable. I think the most visible part of, of this change in, in the public transport system is probably the quality of the buses, the quality of the rolling stock. And uh, of course, we would desire to have a new bus fleet that were all electric or hydrogen with zero emissions and so on. That would be fantastic. But because we are making a big change and the base scenario is not desirable, it's not quite good. So we're not making this radical change already moving on to a complete free emissions fleet because, as I was saying, we submitted this to a competitive tender in the market and we didn't want to exclude the competition. So if you put very strict rules, you will probably get a process that is not so competitive. So we're not so strict in the rules of the fleet, but we will have a major change in the quality of the fleet that we will have in UNIR. Just to understand, probably the average age of the fleet right now is close to 20 years, probably. And it's not the fault of the operators that are operating now. It's because they have no access to, to public funding, for instance, to invest in the fleet. But what we will have in UNIR is... Almost 90% of the fleet will comply with the Euro 6 standard of emissions, which is the last one that we have. Probably we will have Euro 7 standard in 2024. But for now, they will comply with Euro 6 and we will have a little bit more than 5% of the fleet with zero emissions, electric vehicles. But let me say that the environmental issue is not just about the quality of the fleet and the emissions of the fleet, because it's no use to have a completely free emission fleet of buses if you do not change the model split of that we have right now. If you still continue to have 60 or 65% of people using private car, it's no use to have a very good fleet of buses. So I think the major effect that will make more sustainable and to reduce the carbon emissions is to bring more people to public transport. And for that, you have to increase the quality of the system, mm -hmm. not just in the buses, but on the other factors that we already spoke about, yes. Yeah, and that is what sustainable mobility is about. That's interesting. Also, this contribution to um, people's interests, at the same time, quality, because sustainability is also about quality. Um, it will be interesting to know how this is going to work. You said it's going to be implemented end of this year, correct? So um, what were the main challenges and opportunities in implementing uh, UNID? Uh, was there any particular, well, challenges? I can see lots of them, of course, uh, just changing the fleets, the different types of buses. And uh, was there anything else? I mean, was it a consensual program within the the metropolitan area of Porto. There's 17 municipalities, as you said, so this is uh, not easy. So what 
type of challenges did you find in this uh, endeavor? Because this is what it is. Well, I think on the political side, it was it was not difficult to bring together the decisions from the 17 municipalities because this is a change for the better, of course. It's not easy. Even technically, it's not easy to plan a new network. Even if you think that we are a recent authority, we are still enforcing our team with different skills, different expertises. But, but on the political side, I think it was very easy to, to get a consensus about what we want from these new contracts that will enter into force at the end of this year. I think the most challenging thing will be this big transition, because for many decades we had a different system with different operators, and now we will have new operators, or some of them are the same that because they won the, the tender that we made, but with very different rules. I would say that the most challenging thing is to change the mentality on the operator side, but also on the passenger side. This is completely different. The rules are completely different, are much more demanding now. For the first time, we have one authority that plans the system instead of being almost driven by the operators, the changes on, on the network. Now we have one authority that has a central planning that has a tool, which are these contracts. They are our main tool to manage the system, we will have a very important thing that it is data. We will collect data from the system. This is our, I would say, our gold mine, because I would say that until now we are almost a blind authority. But um, when these contracts enter into force, we will be able to know in real time how the operation is being made on the field, which we do not have now. And on the side of, of the demand, we will have the knowledge of the usage of the system is being made by the passengers because we are unifying the, the fare system. We will have only in exclusively our intermodal ticketing system, which we have full access to the usage of the system. So we will be able to be a planning authority for the first time. We will know how the operation is being made and we will know how it is being used by the passengers. And because we see this that this, a good public transport system is expensive and needs public funding. So for us, it is very important to allocate the funds where they are needed. And this, for the first time, we will have this very important information to use the money where it is needed. So I think this is the, the major change and the major challenge that we have in the future. Which is huge already. Yes, George yes, yes. <laughs> uh, this is really, really, uh, it has been a very good conversation. It has, uh, I think, uh, also opened the minds of many of our auditors and myself of what it involves managing the mobility in a region. It sounds very easy to have transport, to have buses, and uh, and this and that, but it is a very big enterprise, and uh, I want to congratulate you for it, and uh, I hope this will be emulated in other regions as well. I have many, many other questions to ask you, but I think we will have to do it in person, and I really want to thank you very much for your time and for uh, your very interesting uh, overview that you gave us. And wish you all the best 
in uh, Unir. Thank you, Jorge. Have a nice day. Bye. Thank you very much. It's been a big pleasure to be here. Thank you very much.